scripture reading this evening will come from 2 Kings 22, verses 8 through 11. That's 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 8 through 11. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. Appearances aside, despite what you might think looking at me right now, I am not a very organized person. I lose things all the time. Every time I walk out the door, I have to go and pat myself down. Wallet, keys, phone. You can ask Megan if you want. I've managed to lose my wallet two or three times. That's just the nature of physical objects. Every now and then, we misplace them and we lose them. I'm so thankful that there are some things spiritual things that we cannot misplace and lose. Like our relationship with God, right? Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 37 say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What can separate us from God? No earthly thing. And yet, if you look back in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2, speaking to the children of Israel, Through Isaiah, God would say, Behold, God's hand is not short that it cannot save. The problem is not with your father, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. He knows what you say. He knows your petition. But your iniquities have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. What can separate us from God? No earthly thing except our choices, our sins. Those things can separate us from God. We're going to be spending most of our time tonight in and around 2 Kings chapter 22. Looking at a nation that separated itself from God. We just had read the story from 2 Kings 22, where Josiah hears the great news, we have found a book. 
and God's word is rediscovered. But as physical things that can be found, they must first be lost. And so I'd like to look tonight at the nation of Israel and ask, how did they reach the point that they had actually lost God's word? How did they find it again? What led to them finding it? And finally, what did they do once they had found it? Preceding 2 Kings chapter 22 is, unsurprisingly, 2 Kings 21. And if you begin reading 2 Kings 21, you see a very different story from 2 Kings 22. Beginning in verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hesiba. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father, we'll touch on that in a moment, Hezekiah his father had destroyed and he raised up altars to Baal and made a wooden image as Ahab king of Israel had done and he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord inside God's very temple where the Lord had said in Jerusalem I will put my name. He built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he also made his sons to pass through the fire, practice soothsaying, used witchcraft, consulted spirits and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord and provoked him to anger. Preceding Josiah was his father, Ammon, and preceding Ammon was his father, Manasseh. Manasseh began to reign in approximately the year 695 BC. He reigned when he was 12 years old, but I can imagine he would have heard the stories of his father's reign. How God had turned the Assyrians back at the walls of Jerusalem. How God had healed his father and turned the sundial back 10 degrees. Yet we do not see any degree of faith from Manasseh. Rather, he builds up the high places for idols. In fact, Manasseh, through the 55 years of his reign, reigned in such a way that his epitaph is recorded in verse 16 of chapter 21. More of Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides, in addition to the sin which, with which he had made Judah sin and doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in addition to his sin. That's the kind of epitaph you expect from a tin pot dictator. How did this happen? How did the nation go from Hezekiah, one of the great faithful kings of Jerusalem, so faithful that God would extend his life by 10 years. How did we go from this? Well, looking in the books of Chronicles and in the books of Kings and looking at this time period, one of the things you will not see mentioned, because sometimes absences are just as important as what is present, you will not see mentions made. 
of the Levites or of the priests, of those people who had the duty to proclaim God's word. At some point, the priests had allowed themselves to be intimidated into silence so that in the historical, re- in the historical record, there is no account of them doing anything to try to stop this man, even when he would build directly in God's house temples and shrines for idol worship. And so the nation fell away from God. Brethren, we have very similar things happening today in our nation. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3 says, In those days, later times, our days, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, people that say what they want to hear. It's all okay. It's all good. And brethren, if we behave as it seems these priests did back in this time, letting these things happen, I can tell you where we will end up. We'll end up in the same place that Judah and Israel found themselves in under the reign of Manasseh. Rather, what we ought to keep in mind, what we ought to do, we ought to remember the example of the apostles back in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 4, they are dragged in before the Sanhedrin saying, why are you proclaiming this Jesus? Why do you choose to proclaim God's word? Don't you do that again. And so they are scourged and allowed to leave. And then Acts chapter 5, it's so funny. They bring them back in and say, don't you know what we just told you to do? Stop talking about this Jesus. Stop talking about this Christ. And in Acts chapter 5 and verse 30, they say we ought to obey God rather than men. Wickedness and darkness, Satan and all of his power, can only win when those who God ordains to proclaim his word, when those priests of his, his church now, stands back and does not boldly proclaim the word of God. If you want to know how Judah reached this point, it's because good people did not proclaim the word of God. And there is a reason that in James chapter 4, verse 17, it is written, To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Brethren, evil wins. And the nation reaches this low point when God's word is not proclaimed. But as there was that low point, so we then go to a higher point. Because God's word was found. And how was it found? Well, it was found because somebody saw fit to follow a very simple piece of advice found in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. In Proverbs 22 and verse 6, it reads, Train up a child in the Lord's way when he is young, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Someone chose to train a young man, this Josiah. Despite the way that his grandfather Manasseh had behaved, despite the way that his father Ammon would behave during his two years of reign, someone chose to train this young man so that we will reach 2 Kings chapter 22 finally. 
and Josiah, verse 1, who begins reigning at eight years old, will, verse 2, do right which is in the sight of God, so that he, in verse 3, in the 18th year of his reign, 26 years old, still a very young man, he would say, you know what we need to do? We need to look to God's house. And so there in 21, verses 3 through verses 6, he's going to say, I want to make it a priority that we set God's house in order. That we make sure we offer proper glory to the God of heaven. Now, one thing you'll notice is that if you look through those verses, they are going to rebuild the house of God, but they are not going to tear down those idols. Why? Because they were still ignorant, because God's law had been lost. Brethren, in the absence of God's law, in the absence of his word, anything else can grow up. What limit is there? when we step outside of God's word. But this young child, eight years old to this young man, decided that he would do good and that he would try and rebuild the temple. How does a young man whose grandfather was a murdering despot and whose father was a heathen Come to know God. Come to care about God. Again, it's that Proverbs 22 and verse 6. It's also what we have today in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, where Paul would say to Timothy, The same gospel that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will commit it to others also. We touched upon this this morning, talking about the desire to save souls, how it should be a priority, how we should be motivated to save souls. And I can imagine how someone would say it's a priority that we educate this young man, Josiah, because he's going to be a future ruler of a nation. That kind of puts him in a unique position, doesn't it? But what about a different young man? What about a young man that wasn't meant to be a king or a ruler? We just read from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Who was Timothy? Well, we know that he was a Gentile. We know that his father is never mentioned, so it may be that he never even had a father. And yet, we have two entire books in our Bible named after him. Why? Verse 5 says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am now persuaded is in you. It makes sense to train up a young king. And yet, who could have thought that training up this young, potentially fatherless man 
we would have two entire books still 2,000 years later that bear his name. Who can say how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of souls have been saved because of this young man and because of the faith that was in his grandmother and then his mother that trained him up. Evil wins when good people do nothing, when we stay silent and do not proclaim God's word. And yet, when we do teach even a little child, who can know if down through the centuries it might not lead to the salvation of hundreds of thousands of souls? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 Paul would write, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That is the same gospel that is still powerful through this book of Timothy. 2,000 years later, because of the faith of his grandmother and of his mother that trained him. How was God's word rediscovered? In the nation of Israel, it was because someone taught a young man, a young little boy. How is God's faith, how is God's word still powerful today? Because someone taught a little child. And so we now have two books. Finally, what happens? What's the end of the story? What happens to the nation of Israel after they have lost and then found God's word? 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 1 through 4. The king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing, all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. And now... Finally, verse 4, that's when they cleanse the temple. Finally, the temple is cleansed because God's word has been found. Because Josiah determines that he will make a covenant with God. He will follow God. I wish I could say that it continued. That it continued past him. But as we so often see with covenants, my mind goes to the covenant Joshua made with the people of Israel. In Joshua 24, when he told them, choose you this day who you will serve. We remember that one, don't we? And yet, that story, similar to this, if you follow it, past the book of Joshua to the beginning of the next book, you will see that the children of Israel are faithful all the days of Joshua, 
and all the days of the elders that survived Joshua, those little tiny children that were there that saw the great works of God. But then they fell into apostasy. After Josiah in 2 Kings 31, we have the next king. Sorry, in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 31, we have the next king Jehoahaz. In verse 32, he does evil in the sight of God. Brethren, there is a final lesson to learn here. In verse 3 of 2 Kings 23, Josiah made a covenant. And at the very end of that verse, we see, and the people stood for the covenant. Not the people made a covenant with God. It was Josiah's covenant. They just said, well, we'll support you. Back in those days, as now we have today, leaders do not determine the faith of their people, no matter how powerful they might be. They might be a king who is effectively judge, jury, and executioner of the whole law. And yet you cannot force anyone to believe. You cannot make people have faith. There seem to be some of my brethren today who have the belief that if we could just get a godly man in that there White House in Washington, D.C., everything will be okay. If I could just get a godly person to represent me in Congress or the Senate, maybe even not so far, just a couple hundred miles away in Austin, right? Things will get better. Brethren, our faith has to be our own. Josiah's faith was his own. He stood for it all the days of his life. But he could not force his people to take up his faith for themselves. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, after the first sermon is preached and after the first members of the church are added to the body of God, we see that the Lord added daily to the church such as would be saved. He added the individuals. Brethren, the nation is lost and the nation is found and the nation lives where it dies by the individual, by the faith of the individual. We spoke today about a desire this morning to save souls, about why we preach and teach and how we should teach. Let's also remember that if we don't teach, this is what happens. A nation lost that does not even know that they are lost. A young man who despite all the good he wants to do doesn't even know that he should remove idols from God's own house. Brethren, we need to be teaching, we need to be preaching, proclaiming God's word. And so I ask tonight, are you lost? Would you like to be found? There is only one way to God, and it is through his son and through his blood. And for those of you that have been covered in that blood and have not been faithful, Remember that that blood has the power to wash you continually of all sins if you will but repent and turn back to God, asking for his forgiveness. If we can encourage you, if we
we can pray for you, if we can help you, if you have any need, please come while we stand and while we sing.